Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know, hey, what works? with social media. Today's show is sponsored by Social Media Success Summit 2015. I'll share more about this online event later on in today's show. I am super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Martin Shervington, and we're going to explore online reviews and what they mean for local businesses. And you might not be thinking about local businesses in the way we're going to be talking about it. If you've got any business, whether it's a physical establishment, or you service a local marketplace, you're definitely going to want to catch today's show. But first, we've got a brand new discovery for you. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. Today, we've got an awesome tip for when it's dark and you're wanting to use your smart device. Eric, tell us a little bit about what you discovered. All right. Mike, if you're like me, you're probably, for better or for worse, finding yourself looking at your screens late at night, specifically your smartphone. Is that right? Yeah. I try not to, but I sometimes do. I, I try not to as well. And there's a reason for that. It's because the light that's coming off of that smartphone is a blue light. And it's scientifically been proven that it stimulates your brain as the same kind of light as as the sun, which triggers this effect that says, it's daytime, you should be awake. And that affects the way that you're going to fall asleep. Well, this discovery is the Opera Mini browser for Android and iOS, and it has something now called night mode. Mm -hmm. What this does is it changes the version or the the way the, the light comes off of your screen. You can even keep the brightness on your screen up, but change this to night mode. And it has this kind of orange or subtle orange overlay to the browser and it filters out that blue light. So it's kind of like overlaying a sepia kind of filter on Instagram or something on top of. That's a great way to put it. And the color is still there. It's still fresh, bright, vibrant. It sounds like the whites are kind of not there, right? Yeah, because the whites are where that blue light really shines from for the most part. And so it's mostly... Anywhere that light, sorry, white is coming through on your screen, it's going to now have a more subtle, dark, again, you said sepia. That's a that's probably the, the best description I can give. Now, let me ask you this. Does it know that it's night and turn on automatically or that you're in a dark room or is it based on the time of the day or do you have to trigger it on and off? Uh, you just turn it on. It, it's got a trigger where you, you hit settings and you just hit enable and it's it's on. Okay, but once it's enabled, is it on all the time? Do you understand what I'm uh, saying? Yes. Yes. So even if it's daytime, it's going to be on, right? Yeah. Okay, so how are I mean, first thing that comes through my mind is, well, I probably wouldn't use this Opera browser all the time, but maybe I just use it when at night. Is that what you're doing? That's that's exactly what I'm using it for is and in fact, I I installed <laughs> to be even more geeky, I installed Opera on my desktop to load up some specific uh, URLs that I might want to visit. And so then they're right there handy inside this app only at night when I'm using night mode. Very cool. 
Well, how do we go? How, how do we find this? And and uh, is it just like it sounds? O p e r a. Yeah, it's just O p e r a, and I believe it's just literally opera.com. Yeah, and you're probably in the app store if you're on an iOS device. Probably type in Opera browser. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, either of the app stores. You just top in, uh, type in Opera browser, and you'll find it. And yes, it is opera.com. Okay, well, for those of you that are insomniacs and you tend to go to your devices, use this so that hopefully it won't stimulate your brain into saying, I'm not ready to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. And now, one more thing. Want to improve your social media marketing? Need to prove your efforts are working? Join 4,000 fellow marketers at the online mega conference designed to inspire and empower you. Social Media Success Summit 2015. Brought to you by Social Media Examiner. Discover the best and newest ways to market your business on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Google+, YouTube, Instagram, and Pinterest. Find new ways to improve your content and measure your results all from the comfort of your office chair. You'll be led by dozens of top social media pros, including Mari Smith, Mark Schaefer, Amy Porterfield, Christopher Penn, and Michael Stelzner. Register now for Social Media Success Summit. Discount tickets are limited. Visit smss15.com to secure your ticket today. We are so very excited about the conference. It's not even funny. Social Media Success Summit is an online conference. It's 36 different sessions spread across four weeks. So the way it works is it's three sessions per day, three times per week, over four weeks. And it's on every conceivable social media platform you can imagine. So check it out. Visit smss15.com for significant early bird discounts. Again, that's smss15.com. And with that, let's transition over to today's expert interview. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Martin Shervington. If you don't know who Martin is, he's one of the world's leading experts on Google Plus and Google for Business. As a trainer, speaker, and consultant, he helps marketers understand how to best utilize Google services. Martin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Great to be here. So in this episode, we're going to explore how businesses can benefit from online reviews uh, with Google, Yelp, TripAdvisor, all that kind of stuff. And we're going to really get into what does it mean, especially for the local business. So Martin, um, before we get into this, talk about what Google for Business is and some of the stuff underneath that, just because I know I don't totally understand what it means. Yeah, I think one of the, the big things that happened last year, I think at the end of June, July, was Google launched My Business or Google My Business. And they really simplified how people set up pages. And part of that is for local businesses. And the local businesses are the ones that appear on the map and the ones that people can leave reviews on using their Google account. And what I'd say is I've been out researching for the last eight weeks or so in the San Francisco Bay Area, particularly in San Mateo and Burlingame. And people haven't really connected the dots yet between the Google ecosystem and the maps, the search, and people's mobile devices. And yet, you know, if you think, Mike, when you search for a restaurant or you're searching for a hairdresser or it could be a chiropractor or anything, most people now are using their mobile devices, it seems. 
And the local results that are coming up very often are Google results. Mm. And you've got Yelp and maybe TripAdvisor and other things as well. But this is a big, big shift. And a lot of businesses haven't claimed. The stat last year was 37% of businesses have claimed their Google listing. So that leaves 63% that haven't. So that's huge that, that aren't even in control of it. And then we get to, uh, are people getting social, really, on these pages, which is where I think reviews is the most important aspect. Awesome. Well, we're going to dig into this uh, quite a bit. First question I want to ask for you is, to the businesses that are listening right now that have a local presence, why, why reviews? You know, how does that, what's the impact of reviews in your opinion, and in particular, Google reviews or any of these other kinds of reviews that we've mentioned like Yelp or TripAdvisor? Yeah. So I went out and I spoke to these businesses and I've spoken to hundreds of people, owners, managers, and the staff members. And in this area, Mike, most important is really the Yelp ecosystem right now. And people are using that as a socialized way of judging the businesses around them. Mm. And the business owners are finding, and I give case studies in a second, but the business owners are finding that people are turning up at their doors. In other words, they're getting more customers based upon these reviews. There was one place called San Mateo, in San Mateo called Tasty Thai that they found that there's literally, I mean literally thousands of dollars worth of revenue coming from one single positive Yelp review from a guy who'd been to Thailand. He'd loved their Thai food and people have been coming from you know, 20 miles away to come and visit because they've read on Yelp how great their food was. So that just as one example is people are reading the reviews and turning up at the doors. Well, let me give you another example. I was in the Caribbean, um, and I can't remember which island I was on, but I was on a cruise ship, and we used Yelp to find this little plantation that nobody knew of on the ship, but everybody you know, knew of it because of Yelp, and we got this plantation tour on one of these Caribbean islands from this guy whose family has owned this for generations, and it was one of the coolest experiences we had, and we would have never found it if it wasn't for one of these kind of services. And I think that we've got to see that Yelp, at the moment, has a lot of people's attention. And we talk in terms of social sites such as Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and LinkedIn. Actually, Yelp has a, a lot of people logging in and saying what their opinions are on those areas, and it's trusted. But there's also challenges with that as well. It's sometimes for these businesses, why is it so important? They've got to do a good job. And they sometimes get bad reviews, they get negative reviews. And that really hurts them. And, and the staff very often will get the feedback and they'll wonder what happened. And you know, people are taking notice of this. And that's Yelp as it is at the moment. And I think as time goes on, the Google ecosystem is going to build out. And hopefully in a very positive fashion, people are going to make their voices heard in the same way. Well, so let's just break this down. I guess the impact of these online reviews for local businesses is, first and foremost, it can bring you a lot of traffic, um, tourists, if you will, new people that are looking for different kinds of, you know, places to eat for dinner and sick are the old, you know, standby places. Yeah. I mean, it can bring you an enormous amount of business because even like Amazon, if we think of Amazon, Martin, right, yeah. we will buy a product even though we don't know who's reviewing it because it's it's known in the world of psychology as social proof, right? When yeah. we see a lot of people had a really positive experience, um, then that gives us good evidence, you know? 
and 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 that's almost the best kind of marketing really and but the but the downside of it obviously is uh negative reviews and you know what does this mean for local businesses i mean the first thing that comes to my mind is you better have good service right (laughs) absolutely yeah good service good product and sometimes be willing to say when you haven't got it 100 percent right right you know um, just out of curiosity, I, I don't really know how these services work. Um, is it kind of like chronological order where, you know, the most recent reviews push down the old reviews or, or is it like people that thumb up certain reviews, t- those reviews t- tend to stick at the top? Do you have any idea how these kind of things work? Yeah, it depends on the site. And you can also filter as well based upon the, the dates and almost the, the relevance. But I think that the most obvious one, if you look at the Google ones, is they tend to be the most recent at the top. Gotcha. Well, you said you said earlier, um, a lot of businesses don't have their quote unquote Google listing. I think I heard you properly. So, well, they haven't claimed it yet. Yeah. Talk about what the heck that even means. Yeah, so Google sometimes have auto-generated a listing, and it's called it's my business. It's it was what was uh, the Google Places listings originally, and that was uh, the, the old ecosystem there. And a lot of people will have a listing and they don't know about it, but people can still leave reviews. So the first thing for businesses to do is to Google themselves and their location and to see whether anything comes up. And if it doesn't. And, and this is free and it's very straightforward, is to go to google.com forward slash business and to set one up. And if there is one already set up, then they can click in and it says claim this listing or manager's page. So that way they are then in control of potentially uploading photos and also, very importantly, replying to reviews that are left. Mm. Okay, so um, I'm assuming you've done the claim process or helped some of your clients do the claim process. I mean, what do people need to know? Is there any kind of crazy hoops you have to run through? Do you have to wait for months for Google to mail you something? Or how do you claim the listing? Yeah, actually, I I put a village on the map in Brazil last year. So that was one of the first big projects that I did. And I claimed a lot of pages and went through this process many, many times. And they send a, a postcard as the one option. And that comes to the door. It doesn't take long. We just did the one in San Francisco uh, today. And well, it arrived today. The postcard arrived. And we probably requested that Thursday last week. And what's that? A week's time. So it doesn't take long. Or potentially, you can phone and get it verified that way. But yes, what Google wants to know is that the place you say you are is where you are. And they do that by verifying either by phone or by mail. So um, you've mentioned maps and you've mentioned search. Um, Let's just say hypothetically for the purpose of discussion here that I own a dry cleaner, okay? Yeah. And um, let's say I have multiple locations just for for fun. But I want to start with one location. Um, Do I, um, once I've gotten the quote-unquote Google listing, uh, d- first, does that allow me to show up in search and does it allow me to show up on the map? Yes, it does. So the result that you'll find is in the pack at the top, the Google list, uh, the Google local type listings that you regularly find. And it's got the stars that go underneath it and it's got the pin and it may mention that, uh, on, on a desktop in particular, the Google Plus page. It's all of that information. So that's really why people want to do it. You want to appear. So if somebody searches for dry cleaner, in their area, then you're the one that's coming up because you've said you are a dry cleaner within that area. Okay. Now once, okay, here's a crazy question. Let's say you run a business out of your house, but you still want to show up on the map. Is that a possibility? Yeah. 
Yes, it is. There's a type which is, there's two different types of local page, and one of which is a storefront, and the other is a service area. And what you can do is you can say that you're a service area and you can hide your address. Mm. So you don't have to have it uh, displayed, because I know from a privacy point of view, people are, are often concerned about that. So, yes, you okay. can hide. Okay, so once you've claimed your property, um, and, and by the way, is there a similar process that goes on with Yelp and TripAdvisor? Do you know? I don't know, okay. actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's assume you've claimed your property on Google. Um, what can you do? What, what does that open you up for? I mean, you briefly mentioned it, but let's dig a little deeper. Once you've claimed it, or if you set one up from scratch, you can change the image, like your profile image, which is your, you know, the, the icon that people will see when you leave comments or when you reply to reviews. Mm. You can change your cover photo. You can manage your photos better. You can add in the description area, exactly what you do, and you can make it friendly. You could be talking about the different dry cleaning services that you have. You can then be posting on that Google Plus page if you wanted to. You can reply to the reviews, as I mentioned. You can also share the reviews. And one thing I think is super cool is that you can embed those reviews. In fact, anybody can because they're public. But you can embed the reviews on your website to show the best reviews. Do you know, just like you can embed a Google Plus post on a site if it's shared publicly, mm. then you can do that. So you start to take that social proof that other people are, are giving you around that page and you can be spreading it across onto your website. Um, I think that I've seen this and I could be wrong. Is Google Earth and Google Maps all connected or is it totally different, do you know? I believe that it's largely... I do, actually, I'm going to go for I don't know. Do you like that? That's the best yeah. answer. <laughs> it's the best answer. I, yes, I Okay, next question. Can, can yeah. your customers, um, let's just say that you're an amusement park or something, right? Can your customers actually put photos on your... Yeah. Your, they can. Okay. Yeah, yeah they can be uploading photos to... They can upload it to the location. And do you have the, do you have the option to moderate those or not as the owner of that location? That, I don't know. Okay. There's another one you don't know. So yeah, well, get, I, we get it. This yeah. is all kind of new. But you're getting the, on, the, the honest answers, Mike. Yeah, so, okay, here's the next question. You mentioned Google+. Plus. Yeah. Connect the dots here. It kind of sounds like almost what we're creating is like the equivalent of a plus page or whatever, right? But it's is that kind of what it is or no? But it is. It's it, the, the way it's structured is Google have said, Google My Business is the higher level frame of reference around the things that are connected to your business. For instance, your analytics, your YouTube channel, the insights for that page, that page itself, and just trying to think what else. But essentially, my business is the dashboard. Hmm. And the Google Plus page is part of that. And it has that listing information on it. Interesting. You mentioned analytics. So will, do you get access to how many people are looking at that particular data in your analytics or no? Yeah, you get access to the page analytics. They're not as, that's in Insights. They're not as full as a full set of, of Google Analytics. But yeah, Insights is getting broader and showing you more information. Okay. I mean, for instance, yeah. one of the things, the, the number of views that you know, people are using this uh, as a way of encouraging people to claim the list and are saying, look, you've had 10,000, 20,000 views, which may well be of the photos that are included within a listing. But it's like you want to be in control of that because these are eyeballs that you're not necessarily making the most of. Gotcha. So just so I understand, because I'm trying to rationalize this in my head, it sounds like 
Um, it sounds like somebody probably, if you've got a, a relatively well-known location, someone has probably already created a page, but it's not been claimed is what I kind of hear you saying. And you can go out and claim that. And once you claim that, um, then you get access to be able to do more things. It's almost like a little website, right? For the, Absolutely. for the owner. Yeah. And yeah. then can you create content, um, I don't know. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but can you, for example, let's say somebody had a birthday prop, a birthday or a big celebration in your restaurant or a politician was there for something big, you know, or someone famous was there. Can you put that stuff on there and will people see that when they look at the reviews of your particular location? They will see, you can upload it into the photos aspect or you could have it as a Google Plus post and you could even be optimizing that for search as well. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, I know one thing that uh, a lot of people are concerned about is um, getting reviews. So let's just start with um, what are your thoughts on how, and the presumption is, okay, the business has already been claimed. Uh, Maybe going back to my dry cleaner, I already have claimed my dry cleaner. I've got some nice pictures showing how clean it is. And there there are a couple reviews on there, but I know that I could use a lot more reviews because some of them are kind of old. What do I do to get my customers to do more reviews for me. Okay, so there's lots of aspects to this. Let's go for the first one. Let's talk about what you're not allowed to do, which is you're not allowed to incentivize. And this is say for go, uh, Yelp or Google or, or TripAdvisor. So you can't say, you leave Here's me a review. Here's a $5 coupon if you leave exactly. a review. Yeah. yeah, so you can't do that. On TripAdvisor and Google, the view currently is that you're allowed to ask for reviews. So if somebody says, wow, that was an awesome meal, you can say, hey, it'd be lovely if you were to say that on Google or TripAdvisor. That seems fine. Yelp discouraged that. And that's in their, uh, on their site. In terms of how to ask people for the reviews, if you go that route, we're running tests at the moment. And in essence, using a very simple QR code and URL that enables people to get to the place where they can leave the reviews is working incredibly well. So one example, we've got a test case going on at the moment and yesterday they got four five-star reviews in one night through using that process of just making it available and accessible for people to be able to leave the reviews in the right place. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that story if you're able to. I mean, what kind of a yeah. location was it? That was a curry house. Not surprising for those that know me because I, I do love curry. And we've got Tesco at different bars and different restaurants around this area. And what we put in place was a training system with the waiters and, and waitresses. So I actually went in and spent time over about three different occasions and said, when somebody says that was the best meal I've ever had, then you're able to say, hey, it'd be great to leave the review and give them some bespoke cards that we had created specifically for that place that mm. said we love reviews and let the person then go and decide if they're going to do it. Interesting. So, and you know what's yeah. great about the fact that so many people have smartphones in their hands is they could probably pull it up and do it right there on the spot, right? And that's exactly what's been happening. Yeah, Th- That's amazing. Um, do you know if these reviews allow photographs or are they just text? They are just text. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, at the dry cleaners, is there anything stopping me when I hand my nice you know, folded or my nice dry clean clothes to the business person that comes through the door by hanging a little card on the, on the thing that says, if you like 
our service. Um, we'd love a review. Here's how to do it. With the exception of Yelp, of course, because we already talked about how they look down on that. But is there anything wrong with just having that be standard as part of what you hang around the thing when you hand that product out to the people that come in every week to get their dry cleaning? That is very much what we've been trialing. Yeah. And we believe that it's totally within the, the terms of service. And from, from an ethical point of view, it yeah. seems perfectly reasonable just to give people the ability and the reminder on that, as you say, you know, for them to be leaving with that, and there'll be a percentage take-up rate that will then do it. And we are finding that that is exactly the case. Some people do it on site, and some people are doing it when they are back at home. Now, let's just talk about, from my perspective, the reason this works is, you know, this is good old marketing. It's, it's a call to action, right? Yeah. If you ask someone to do something, the likelihood that they will do it increases exponentially. If you don't, then they likely won't unless they had a negative experience. Yeah. So, um, I like what you're doing with the QR codes. I'm a I'm an Apple user, and I know that on the iPhone they don't have any built-in QR readers. On the Android, do you know if they do or not? Are you? No, we had to download one. Gotcha. But it's an interesting journey that that I went on because originally I was looking at NFC tags, which is near-field communication tags, because on an Android device it's pretty much always switched on. And it means that you can get to a URL. It can do a lot of other things as well, but it means that you can very easily just tap the phone and it appear, for instance, like your Yelp uh, review box for that particular place. And I found that most people, I'm shocked, Mike, at, at how um, almost the basic level of, of need for the technology. You know, putting in a URL, I found is just as good as using a QR code, for instance. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um I would imagine even something as simple as a um, mywebsite.com slash review <coughs> would probably not be a bad idea or mywebsite.com yep. slash review, Google review, Yelp, whatever, yep. um, would probably do the same and, um, and, and that would probably work. Um, have you had any correlation between reviews and business? I mean, like with your clients in particular, like, okay, you go in, they're not doing anything. You tell them, Hey, here's how to do it. You set the program in place. Have they been able to track or are we too early in this journey and say, wow, people are coming in just because of all these new reviews that we've been getting? I am, I am too early to give that information authentically. Gotcha. Um, we are doing what does your intuition tell you? I mean, like, uh, well, have, yeah, I mean, you must hear you, you've been going to enough places yeah. that you probably have gone to the places that do have a lot of reviews. And have you found from them that it's a big part of their business? Well, the first thing is that when you get five Google reviews, your stars appear in search. And we know that that will increase click through rate. I mean, oh, if yeah, you yeah. Look, explain, yeah. explain what that looks like, because I know not everybody it, has seen that. It's when you don't have any, when, when nobody in a pack has five stars, then everybody just says, you know, four reviews, two reviews, etc. As soon as one of those businesses gets five stars, they shine. It jumps out. It's the one that's got the greater social proof hmm. than any of the others. And that is a huge first step. So that, that is it, it, massive, Mike, I have to say. And the businesses, are they love to see that happen. It really does make a, a massive difference. From there, what we're looking at is does it make a difference in the search results itself? Does it move people up? And we're running um, some trials with an SEO company to see whether we can prove or not whether there's a shift in search by getting positive and the number of reviews. So that would be very interesting to, to see what happens. Anecdotally, let me just say, these businesses, from the tests that we've done, they love it. 
because they feel that this is one of the key things, more than Facebook likes and Twitter followers and Google Plus followers, that they can say, yes, that's going to get us more customers. Reviews equals customers in their minds. Do you know if the, is does Google allow you to quote unquote use a couple of those reviews, for example, in your marketing materials, for example, uh, like let's say you have a menu that's a to-go menu. Do you think you could put a couple of those quotes on there or put them on your website? I'm just curious what your thoughts it, are on Yeah, that. well, it's public data. So it's essentially, it's been published to the web. So why not, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thought that I had, and I don't know if you've thought of this, Martin, but if you're sending someone to a page after they've had a good service experience, why not make a little video? Because I don't think everybody knows how to leave a good review. And what if you made a little video that says, hey, we, we so appreciate your honest review. And if you're not sure what to say, here's a couple things that others have focused in on or whatever. I don't know. I mean, do you think it makes sense to actually train the person who's about to leave the review? Or do you think any kind of a video would help encourage the likelihood that someone goes through with the review? I would say that the main focus of the training is actually elsewhere, Mike. And, and it comes down to a different psychology. It's not the person who's reviewing that needs the training. It's the person who is given the service and the person that's given the experience. Ah. We, we, we ran a split trial on this. And I mean, my background is organizational psychology. I've got a, I've got a postgrad in that. So I looked and I went, right, I'm going to leave some people without training and just give them the cards and just basically give them you know, basic instructions. And then I'm going to go and train other people. And the ones that I didn't train they found it very, very hard. And they just didn't quite know what to do. Whereas I gave the ones in like the curry house and I've given it elsewhere, the words to use and the approach to take and the trigger. As soon as a person says this, that's your opportunity to start the conversation. And it needs to be done at a staff level. It isn't that the owner doesn't sometimes disseminate that information because they're in a hurry. They don't necessarily, you know, the focus on this. So the staff have to hear, this is what you do. And, that, and it's the personal connection that the reviewer has with that staff member that's making the world a difference. I mean, on our cards, we have it on the back, hello, my name is dot, dot, dot. And we have the person write their name and hand the card to the person. And it's a very personal connection. Very cool. And I would imagine, I mean, this is kind of crazy, but let's say we're in a restaurant and there's a party of six or seven people and a couple of people at the table are raving about it. Do you ask both of them to do the review or do you just key in on one of them? I mean, this is kind of one of those interesting d dilemmas you, yeah. you would be in, right? As a server who's been trained on how to ask for a review. I mean, who do you ask to make the review when you've got a party of people there? So uh, I have done this. I actually, I've, w I've waited tables in the past, Mike. <laughs> Straight, I, I came out of university and then waited tables in Australia. Um, but I did this at one place and I stood there and I said, how was the food? And I went over almost uh, as a server, even though I hadn't served them. And I asked four people out of the six, because they were there and they had the phones out and so on, would you be happy? And I looked at the feedback, I looked at the apps, I looked at all of the processes on this one occasion, and four out of the six left the reviews. Wow. Yeah. Wow, okay. So what I hear you saying is that, hey, you can just ask 
generically at the table, would anyone be interested in leaving a review because you seem to have had a great thing? And if you, gosh, if you get four out of six, that's like, that's like a home run, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the businesses are over the moon with this, but it, it requires almost, well, it requires relationship building. Right. I didn't just turn up at the table and say, can you do this? I spent some time, I laughed, I joked, and I, you know, right. I, I love these places around because they're, they're very friendly. They're very often not changed. These are more the, the owner-managed you can access very easily and they can buy into what you're doing and I've been saying I'm doing this for case studies you know we're looking at scaling so what I want to do is make sure that I come up with the the most uh, appropriate ways and the methods to to help future businesses okay I'm sure some people listening right now are kind of scared to ask for reviews because obviously when you ask for a review you might not get a positive (laughs) review yeah let's just start there I mean like how how would you address the person that's scared to ask for the review before we even get into how to respond to a bad review I think it's understanding when somebody is genuinely saying I love this place and maybe you've seen them once before or twice before. You know, you've got your regulars. And this is another situation. Is It's almost a, a neighborhood or community scenario. Is that Those people are the ones that are, are the potential right off the bat. And if you look at Google, most people have got a Google account. So I'd say look at, give yourself the positive experience to start with. You know, go to the people who are the friendliest people that are already your customers and start there with them. So don't necessarily put it on a sign on every table in your restaurant instead, because no. no, no, then no. you're going to get the negative reviews, right? Oh, absolutely. And this is why we've gone for the very personal, personal handing it over and having a conversation. Because not just does it risk that you're going to get the negatives. Actually, and I, again, I trialed this. We put it up on uh, on signs and had big QR code, call to action, all of this. It did not work particularly well. You know, it's that relationship with the person. So just start there, you know, one person at a time. Let's talk about the SEO value here. Um, what, you know, all things being equal, if I, if I uh, uh, you know, Google curry restaurant in San Mateo or wherever that was, um, is the one with the more reviews going to come up or is, is something, I mean, do reviews impact SEO at all, search engine optimization? That's the test that we're doing. I'll know more within about two months. Gotcha. The main thing is that the more reviews increases the click-through rate and that's where the stars come in. So that's a, a straightforward win. If we look at Yelp, the keywords within a review can surface in search. Google's indexing that. Mm. So that's another important aspect. And all in all, it's it certainly, the, we'll get the evidence in, but the view is that these are good for business. How do you respond to the negative review or should you respond at all? Because there's always going to be a negative yeah. review, right? So what's your yeah. take on this? I think there's two types of negative review at least. And the first one is a competitor that is just doing the one star in order to drag the person down or to drag the business down. I've heard this anecdotally many, many times. And I think in that situation, you, if you still have to do w- this process, but you know that it's that nature of review. Okay. The other type of review is when they didn't experience what they deserved or felt that bad. In both situations, the best practice, it seems, is to reply and have the intent of resolving the issue. Reviews on Google and reviews on Yelp, for instance, are editable. So doing your best to resolve 
potentially could lead the person to change in the review. I don't think it's good practice to ask them to, and it's certainly not good practice to be incentivizing uh, in order to get that change, but by building the relationship, making it human, having a conversation, doing what you would do as if they were still in your restaurant, your bar, your dry cleaners. Give me an example. Let's say, you know, somebody got, yeah. you know, their food was ha was was half an hour late, you know, and, and, and they ended up walking out. So, like, how, how should we respond to those? I would say understand First, can we respond on Google or no? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, so how, sh how should we respond? I mean, just Well, actually, even responding to the positive ones and saying thank you, I think it's a very important thing. Oh, that's, in, a very, that's a very in, in good Google, point. In Google, adding them into circles, you might decide to engage with them and so on. There's, there's all yeah, of yeah. that. But in terms of responding to the negative, I think you've got to understand the perspective of that person. And... If they were in a hurry and if they, you know, they say I was, I was rushing and it, and it turned up late or, you know, it just wasn't as quick as I want, then say I fully understand you. Sometimes the kitchen does take a little longer. We'd love to have you back. Please come in. Let's see what we can do in order to give you a good experience. Your customer's valuable to us and so on. And just be friendly. I mean, the worst thing to do is to, to flame it because yeah, it doesn't and, help anybody. Well, and you know what? People see you responding to Absolutely. these negative things, and that yeah. shows that you're trying to make it right, and I think that they'll overlook some of those. Don't you agree? Unless there's a bazillion negatives. <laughs> No, 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 you're absolutely right. And there's also the, the principle, there will be negatives. And we've noticed this on the test cases. They will come. And the main thing to consider is building up what we're calling a war chest of positive reviews in order for the negative ones not to be affecting the overall ranking number. So, for instance, at five, you don't want it to fall below, ideally, a four if it's out of five stars. So you want to, to build up the positives to buffer against those you know, inevitable less than positive reviews that people will get. What about, and this is a little thinking outside the box here, for people that have local businesses that are not tied to a physical location like a lawn service or dog walkers, I mean, and who knows what else, I'm sure you could think of many others, uh, local psychiatrists or whatever, well, they probably have an office. Uh, for the people that don't have an office, but they service a local area, is there any play here for them at all or likely no? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, huge. Oh, it's great. So if you take the, as you mentioned, psychiatrist, if somebody searches and they've set up a Google Plus page, then you can have it as a service area and you service, for instance, 30 miles around. Ah, I see. And maybe you yeah. go to someone's house or whatever instead of having a yeah. an office. Absolutely, so you could yeah. still get those reviews. But yeah. in that case, you know, um, either A, they're going to they're gonna Google your name to see what they can find about you. And that would be beneficial, right? Like, I want to hire Martin the dog walker. <laughs> if you do that, Martin, I don't know. Yeah, you don't. Just a side, <laughs> side job. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, and, and, and you happen to be where I am in California and you've encouraged your customers to do reviews on you, that would be like some really cool social proof. So I think people that are listening right now that don't have a physical location but do have a service tied to a local area should be thinking about this, it sounds like. But also, if somebody puts in like you know, dog walker, they want to surface for that. Even if they don't know you, you want to be in the pack and you want to be in those results. And that's what it allows you to do. Very cool. Well, Martin, I know that we have just barely scratched the surface of online reviews. And I'm excited that this is the first time I've talked about this on my show. Um, first of all, thank you for coming on and talking about um, it, this with my audience. Where can people discover more about you, Martin, and the various services that you offer, in particular in this, this space? Plusyourbusiness.com. 
We have lots of information, lots of blog posts uh, around all of this, and we have the services area there as well. Awesome. And if someone wants to reach out with you to you on social, do they just Google Martin Shervington, Twitter, Martin Shervington, whatever, and they'll find you everywhere? They'll find me or email if people want to get in touch. It's martin at plushabusiness.com. Martin Shervington, thank you so much for joining me. On behalf of all my listeners, I just want to say thank you very much for covering this very important topic. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you found today's session, interview, podcast very valuable. A few things I want to mention to you. First of all, are you wondering what platforms marketers focus on and whether or not those platforms are very different for B2B versus B2C? Well, that's exactly what you'll discover and a lot more in our free 53-page report called the Social Media Marketing Industry Report. You can check it out at socialmediaexaminer.com slash report 2015. Also, if there's anything we mentioned in today's show and you just didn't catch it because you're out and about, we take all the notes for you. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 156. That stands for episode 156. And by the way, if you're new to the show and you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do it on your podcast player of choice. We don't want you to ever miss a future episode of this show because I got some great stuff coming. Don't forget the Social Media Success Summit 2015 is coming up. It's our online mega conference visit smss15.com. This is this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.